Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Come on, girls. Let's go shopping. That's not a knife. (laughs) This is a knife. What are you looking at? Don't look at a boy jumping there. You're mad, you bastard. Far am you. Far am you. There's no cash here. Here, there's no cash. Alright? Cash, no. Robo? No cash. Swear to Christ, please, you get a bag of all sorts in here, mate. Welcome to Whoop G'day and welcome to The Last New Wave. The podcast is all about the wide and varied landscape that is Australian cinema. This podcast is recorded on the land of the Wadjuk people of Perth region and pay respects to their elders, both past, present and emerging. Now in this episode, it's a bit of a double whammy because we're focusing on both uh, the Actor Awards as well as a short film that's up for consideration at the Actor Awards. It's a short film which, as you'll hear in this interview that comes up in just a short moment, I voted for it because I think it's fantastic. I absolutely love this film. The short film is Lost and Found. It's a animated film, a stop-motion animated film about a knitted toy dinosaur and their knitted friend, which is a little fox, and the dilemma that they find themselves in. It's beautiful. Uh, Really wonderfully animated. The music is fantastic. The story is, is very sweet. And... Look, it's just a really, really gentle, wonderful little short film. I absolutely loved it. And I had the great opportunity of interviewing three people at once. It's the first time I've ever interviewed three people at once. And in fact, uh, it was quite a um, time zone jump because uh, there was one person, me, being in Perth, uh, another in the Gold Coast, another in Melbourne, and then another in America. So four different uh, time zones at once and it all worked pretty well. Uh, so hopefully you enjoy this interview. The people in this interview are producer Lucy Hayes as well as the directors Andrew Goldsmith and Bradley Slade. Now Bradley, he actually wrote the screenplay for this particular film and so I asked him about how two directors work with one one person's script I hope you find this a really interesting discussion and certainly it's one of the most uh, enjoyable ones that I've ever done. I really enjoyed chatting with these guys and I love this short film. I think it's really beautiful and I genuinely think that these guys are going to go far because, you know, the talent here is really, really impressive and I do hope that when the Actor Awards come around that they win because I think they're well-deserving for it. I, I really do. And after this interview, you'll hear me go on about the Actor Awards and what was nominated and what should have been nominated as well. It's a pretty uh, pretty impressive year for nominations, so hopefully uh, you have some things to say about it as well. Let's listen to the trailer for Lost and Found and we'll be back with that interview.
I guess I guess then the first question is, how did you come up with such a story? Because it's fantastic. It's a really beautiful short film. That's a- yeah, I I, uh, I I wrote the script during my master's year. I studied a master's at Aftas in 2014. Um, we needed to create a project, and I went through kind of my list of like ideas, um, and I pitched three to Goldie, um, and this was the one that we both liked, um, and we, yeah, it's a, it's a hard to say how it was conceived because I usually just try and think of ideas and store them away for a rainy day, um, but uh, while I was developing a feature film as well, which was set in Japan, and while I was doing my research, um, because Goldie was quite, uh, you know, involved in the process as well while I was writing it. And we were learning about wabi-sabi, um, which is a Japanese philosophy that um, celebrates what's beautiful about being impermanent and not perfect. And, uh, just, it's, yeah, the things that are imperfect are beautiful and things that end are beautiful and kind of took that to heart. And while I was writing the script, I'd gone through my first, relationship um and so i was uh, wanting to turn it into a love story because when it was just the seed of an idea so it uh, was just about a doll that needed to unravel for something i didn't know where that um where that would go but uh, that started to kind of come out when i was running the first draft i have a question is it um um, i'm I'm i remember the first version of the script with um with um, two kind of humanoid um, wool dolls, and we were it was set in like an alleyway. In the alleyway, or, yeah, yeah. And um, like, is there was there a particular you know? And there might not be, like you said, you come up with stuff. But was there a particular something that sparked that, like where that came from, or not? Or is that just that about one? the relationship, your personal relationship thing that you said? Um, I, I don't. I wasn't consciously doing it. I think uh, I wasn't expecting that it would be so close as a first draft. Um, but that's the draft that came out when I wrote it. I think there was a, when I was doing outlines in school, uh, there was a version where it was a doll trying to reach a child that had gotten lost to, to comfort them. Okay, um, so it started, uh, with, yeah. started with the doll and then became the It started with the doll and I don't know if you remember in an, in an alleyway. It was a, I remember the alleyway, the, the, the gutter in the water, the running water in the gutter. Which in the gutter, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then um, so, Andrew, yeah, so we got flashed for, uh, let me know if this isn't interesting. Or no, 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 it is very interesting, yeah. Um, um, so we, our school, so we had the script and then the, the school flashed the, the budget, which means we're unable to make it and they weren't very keen enough making a, a sample, like, a, like a, an animation test. Um, so we decided to make a picture storybook and I wrote two stories around it that both had Japanese themes and then we, because they were, could, the other two stories could be set in the sushi bar, we found the odd one out, which was the, um, the, the one that we, you know, the, the film as it is today and I just transposed that to fit inside the sushi bar. Mm. That's, that's fantastic. Like it's, it's amazing how these things kind of just, come out and you know it shows that you've got to work at the at an idea to tease out what the uh, final product will be 
because you know it, I think it's fantastic and it's really beautiful and that that answers kind of the next question which I was going to say is that Japanese aesthetic is really striking here it's it's beautifully done and, and beautifully realized so um you know as you're saying it's that 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 concept about you know being not permanent essentially and and the beauty in that is is wonderfully realized so you know hats off to you guys for that i i can imagine it would be very difficult to um you know set up such a an environment and and make it uh so lifelike and so <laughs> real <laughs> i know it's i know it's stop motion but it's uh it's still stunning it looks looks really really stunning so how did you guys manage to do that thank you there you go. Well, it, it, takes us it is. <laughs> I mean, it's it's as close to real as a film set gets. In that it was, you know, everything was built to scale, to human scale, um, uh, because you know our characters are supposed to be real dolls living in the in the real world, even though we don't see any human. Um, but essentially, yeah, our, it was. I think it was something like a three or four month process to build the majority of the set pieces. Um, and source all the um, props and make all the props. Um, and then there was kind of a continual um, process of doing that as shooting started as well. Like we would, we would shoot one set while the other set was still being finished and all that kind of stuff. And, and um, essentially our um, art director, um, Rennie Watson, and his kind of team that he brought in had to build everything themselves just due to, you know, the budget, um, the restrictions of the budget. We, you know, so a lot of people were learning building skills that they didn't maybe have before the film while they were making it. Um, but yeah, so essentially everything's carpentry, um, and um, a lot of scenic painting to make things look um, worn and used. And you know, again, part of this kind of the whole Wabi Sabi philosophy of the, the beauty of the story that objects tell in, in their imperfections. Um, and then a lot of like fun kind of crop sourcing at vintage Japanese places and, and other um, wherever we could find stuff. I think we I think Brad at one point was cruising around to different um, sushi train restaurants, begging them for old plastic lids and, and old sake bottles that they wanted to get rid of that we could put in our film. Which um, hit the, we hit the jackpot a couple of times, which was um, yeah, and I got it there. I I want to chime in there. I, Goldie uh, did a late night eBay binge where we were actually able to. He found a sushi train that was a few suburbs away. Oh yeah. And we were able to just get on the rest of his truck to the top of the car and we brought him to that. Yeah, so luckily uh, uh, we did have a sushi restaurant. Yeah. (laughs) Sushi restaurant in Brunswick decided to close or ran out of business or something. So they had that just up for grabs, um, which made a huge difference because we thought we would have to build a kind of likeness. 2-1, Two one, <laughs> um, which was going to be interesting. Um, yeah, and then you know we had a, actually had my sister happen to be in Japan at the time of pre-production, so we called her up and told her what neighbourhood to go to and what things to buy for us. To uh, there's like a district in Japan full of just restaurant-related merchandise, and so we sent her there to pick up things like. Uh, um, the what do you call the screen divider? No, not the screen divider. The uh, uh, shoji screen. Not the show. Not the shoji. The the hanging um, flag. Oh, it's a uh, Nabori banner. Oh, no, yeah, Nori. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and like some fake sushi and stuff that was a little harder to source here. 
Um, so yeah, again, a lot of a lot of stars aligning and and, and people just chipping in. It sounds um, yeah. You're really uh, pushing the the budget aesthetic uh, for a short film, I guess, in in a lot of ways, and really, um, you know, testing how you can make your your dollars stretch a, a long way. So that's that's really impressive because it looks like a million bucks. It looks stunning. It's it's a really really beautiful looking film. Um, so Lucy, at what stage did you come on the 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 uh, the production as well, and um, how did you? kind of find working with uh, these two guys as well? Yeah, well, I've been working with Goldie for, I guess, about a year or so beforehand, um, mainly doing commercial work. Um, and he uh, bought me the script and he showed me the picture book that him and Brad had. Yeah, okay, so Goldie and I were working um, kind of on commercials together for a year. Um, I was still doing long-form narrative stuff um, at the same time, but that's how I I met Goldie. Um, And then Goldie was like, hey, I've got this great script, and he showed me the script and the picture book um, that Bradley and he had done from the afters course, and there was a round of Screen Australia Hotshot funding coming up. Um, So this was in about August. 2015 I think um, and we applied in September and then I think we got the funding in November 2015 um, so from there uh, it was basically kind of straight into it you know by January um, late January early February I think we'd moved into the studio where which we were working out of um, and then it just sort of uh, the production took off from there so uh, quite a while of pre-production. I think maybe four, five months. We started shooting in April, May. Was it, guys? Can't remember. Yeah, Sounds I think right. something like that. Yeah, it took the first chunk of the year to to get everything built and ready to start shooting. Yeah, and there was lots of testing that needed to be done. Um, mm. We were fortunate that we had. We were always surrounded by really great people um so sam lewis our animator goldie and i had both worked with him before um at the previous company we'd worked at uh gerald thompson our cinematographer um also came on board and was like very generous in terms of um his time and services and equipment and he's a highly skilled cinematographer um so we were just always surrounded by really wonderful people who really did help us stretch that budget and i think it's such a passion project for all of us and we were all in an emerging stage of our career where I think you are very happy to throw your heart and soul into something um, in the hope that it helps you kind of accelerate forward um, onto the next project. And so I think everyone involved was really keen and passionate to, uh, to do that. And also, we really all believed in the story, I think, and we all thought that it was a beautiful story. And um, so that also definitely helps when you really believe in what you're doing and what you're trying to say. Well, I, th- mm. I think that heart shows through on the screen. Like, you can tell that there's a lot of passion behind it and there's a lot of warmth and, you know, community behind the film as well. And, you know, for a film like this, the the production is you know you've got a a team of people who are going to be working a long time together and so you can certainly show that there's you know there's harmony on screen because of that 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 unity there so that's got to be uh it's really impressive so hats off for you guys for that um but for for Bradley and, and Goldie as well how do you guys 
manage the the job of co-directing because uh, I imagine it's probably a lot different than like a live action or something like that. It's got to be really uh, difficult. How do you manage that? Well, it's an interesting beast, co-directing. Yeah. I've, d- I've done a lot of it with a lot of different people and it's always very different. Um, uh, the person you work with, um, yeah, different types of personalities, different skills, all that kind of stuff. Um, means that you know, no, no co-directing pair is the same. Um, I think we naturally kind of fell into um, like uh, a thing of splitting disciplines a little bit, like Brad being the writer and having such a great handle on story and 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 the details meant that he was often looking at you know what we were putting together um, as we were doing it and making sure that it that it all flowed and made sense and it was the best version it could be and, 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 and you know, the motivation, just everything happening made sense. Um, you know, we would bounce all that, like, everything, every element in the film we would collaborate on and bounce off together, but he would kind of more uh, take charge on that side and even be doing, like, rewrites during the shoot, slight rewrites to, to, so that we could do something in one shot instead of four shots or so that it made sense with something we'd already shot that came out different than what we thought. Um, whereas I've got a lot of technical experience and a lot of stop motion experience. Um, so, so I spent a lot more time, uh, focused on like the execution and, and, and how we would achieve certain effects or certain animated things or things with the camera. Um, so we naturally split up that way a little bit, but we still had this balance of like cross pollinating and, and, and bouncing off stuff, mm. so we would have lots of long discussions about, you know, how, what would be the best thing, and then, and then, you know, one of us would go execute it depending on what kind of category of it fell under. Um, What's so, and, and it meant that I could be standing on set, um, setting up a shot with a cinematographer and an animator, while Brad is, can be standing on the other side of the curtain. Um, I'm talking about a literal curtain to block out light from the set, not some figure <laughs> one. Uh, uh, and, and he could be, you know, trying to rearrange a storyboard or rewrite a thing that we thought wasn't working or something. Um, so there was like, it was actually efficient in that way that we, there was constantly kind of two brains on the set that could, that could both come together to debate what the best decision to make is and then split apart to execute or, or, or work on two different things at a time. Um, but there were certainly like you know uh, 14 months of shooting or whatever it was. There were um, there were ups and downs and in, in when things got stressful personally. But I think communication was the thing that kept us always. You know we had this goal of making this film great that we knew could be great. Um, so you know just the more we talked, the more we found it worked. We could we could solve any issue or disagreement with the path we were going down or anything like that. Yeah. Sorry, I, I talked a lot there. No, Maybe, Brad, you have something? No, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I completely agree. And what I would add is um, the conversations we're having in terms of how we wanted to treat the story kind of found mm. this, uh, like the sum of parts where neither of us intimidated or uh, anticipated. So I'm someone, I mean, if you had read the first draft of the story, you'd see me as very overly dramatic and overly sappy and even now it's very dramatic and sappy so I can't explain how much more it was before Goldie came in because his sensibilities are much more restrained like all like pulled back and minimalist and so it kind of 
forced the script to be more subtle, and it made found this middle ground where it was this uh, like this little bittersweet track that we had built, which uh, became uh, became a lot uh, forced the script to be a lot sharper and relatable. I was going to ask how how you managed to get the little creatures to look so expressive as well, like they're. You know their their faces are, are extremely expressive, giving across so many different emotions. Um, how do you manage to do that in, you know, such a little amount of frames and things like that? How, like that's got to be really hard. <laughs> I think well, it was uh, our animator had done. I thought he correct me if I'm wrong, or if you've got an additional answer. Um, our animator had kind of done this amazing job creating these minimalist, adorable creatures that were really appealing, um, and almost paint himself into a corner because of what the script needed and if it was needed uh, you know a certain uh, motion of the limbs that was restricted by the head or needing to express something because we didn't have any dialogue so it needed to express emotion without any words um, and Sam kind of dug himself out of that by just animating beautifully with like tenderness and sensitivity um, mm. and I think that's uh, on what we see on screen is and just really hitting it out of the park in terms of making a very um, a very moving performance from the characters. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think in addition, even the restrictions of the physicality of the dolls in some ways benefit. Like in, in, in different forms of animation, you might not be restricted on what you can do with a character. You kind of can do whatever you want, but once this physical object exists in stop motion you have to move it the way it moves, it means it, like, suddenly grounds the character and it's, like, it makes it real and it means when it does things a certain funny or unconventional way to what you're used to seeing, it's, like, it becomes a part of, like, their operating, the way they operate and, it, like, it, I think it just kind of adds to their backstory and realism, the fact that, like, you know, his arms can't reach above his head or some something in particular like that well, means, like, you can tell they've adapted to that way of, working but what brad said is like basically sam the animator is, is an actor in in in, a, in animation so all the the character you see on screen is is our animator sam that's his acting that's like him playing a part of the um character. yeah yeah that's i'd never thought of it that way but it makes so much sense because they are you know, they are making the movements for the characters. But uh, I like how, you know, such a small thing is like an open mouth can, can give such a, a huge amount of expression. And, and yeah, I just, I just found it really beautiful to, to watch and see. And I, again, that, that minimalistic uh, presentation for the, the characters is, it, it works so well for them as well. And, and that yarn aesthetic is really beautiful too. Um, was that always the case? They were always going to be yarn creatures or was there other versions of, of how they were? Because it's a pretty pivotal thing in the story itself. Mm. Well, yeah, it or they even got caught, right? That's what you just revealed before, Brad, right? It was yarn and, was it Jan, Jan yeah, I, I didn't quite hear the question. Was it? Um, was it always going to be Jan as Jan. the? Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, so no. So the the. I mean, I think I. The that little seed that I mentioned at the beginning was um, something along the lines of a knitted doll needs to unravel itself. Yeah. <laughs> and that that's excellent. And then I kind of found what what the goal was and where it was. But the the concept was mm. based on them being able to unravel so it needed to be a knitted doll from the get-go 
And yeah, then, uh, probably from that. The, oh, sorry, sorry guys, I'm going to have to run over me. <laughs> I'm gonna, can, you, can you guys hear me still? You can still hear yeah, you. Yep, no traumas. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, when we were deciding on how to treat the story, but in that picture storybook that had three stories, each of them had a different style of animation, and it was one of the kind of easier decisions that Goldie and I got to make together, which is we immediately knew that the story needed to be stop motion because it was about wool unraveling. Stop motion was mm. going to be a great tool to make that as textural and as visceral as possible. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, what I was, that's exactly what I was going to say. The question's not, was it always, were they going to be made of thread? It's like, well, they were, if they were always going to be made of thread, what was the best way to like give that the biggest impact it could have? And if it was like 2D or 3D or something, you know, we would be less restricted with a bunch of things we could do, but it wouldn't feel as visceral when the fluff and the string and the, yeah, yeah. yarn like frayed and pulled apart. Like that was, it was very clear that stop motion was, was a decision to make. It just gave it like a, a tactility, which, yeah. Well, there's, there's that, you know, that childlike quality to it. You know, we've all grown up with knitted dolls and stuff like that. So you've got that, that you know, linked to your childhood in some ways because of the way that they, they're designed and, you know, adds that extra element of uh, warmth and, and care to it as well. So it's, it's really beautiful. Um, so obviously it took a long time to make the film and uh, finally it's, it's out and about for people to see. So um, I guess with you, Lucy, how did you go about getting this film out into areas and festivals for, for viewing? What was the challenges with that? Yeah, well, um, I guess we came up with a festival strategy um, fairly early on and knew the festivals that we wanted to hit. Um, and so... Sorry, um, can you guys hold on one second? Sure can. <laughs> um, I'm just taking a seat. Hold on. Wait. That's all right. Take okay, your time. all good now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, which was just an amazing experience and uh, we watched the film for the first time with a theatre filled with four and five year old children, German children, uh, which was just amazing and uh, Goldie and Brad got to do a Q&A afterwards and it was just adorable because the children's questions were all in German and they had to be translated into English and the children really loved it and so that was a great experience for all of us um, and then I guess another big step for us was we wanted to premiere in Australia. And so we premiered at Sydney Film Festival, which we were thrilled about, uh, at the Zendi Awards. And um, it was there that we won the Yoram Gross Award for Animation, um, which was a big win for us just because um, that's such a wonderful award to win. And um, that award also has given us eligibility for the Academy Awards uh, in February. So we're now, yeah, which is really cool. So we're currently on the long list for the Academy Awards. Um, and, yeah, now we just wait and see what happens. Uh, I think there's about 64 films on it. Um, yeah, and from there, you know, there's lots of festivals that uh, we've played at and we still want to play at. Um, we've played at Brisbane and... We're playing at Adelaide in a couple of weeks. We played at um, Cinefest Oz. 
which uh, I none of us were able to get there. But I heard that the Cinefest Oz screening was really wonderful. I've had such great feedback about that. Um, so that's really nice as well. And uh, we're having our US premiere at Austin um, at the end of October at Austin Film Festival, and Brad will be representing us there. So, yeah, it's been really fun. Um, and I guess it hasn't necessarily been challenging. It's just, you know, the festival circuit is always interesting, but um, I think that we've been really lucky with our run, and um, it's been really exciting. Yeah. So the, uh, I'll add. The, yeah, go for it. I was just going to say I'll add to Lucy's point that, like, yeah, like we've had heaps of luck, which has been awesome. But what's been interesting about the festival runners is that we haven't necessarily been accepted at the festivals we expected, and we have been accepted at some we didn't expect to, which has like been an interesting. Um, I think just goes to show you you never really know there's so many elements to play, um, um, but you know, getting lucky in any to play at any of these great festivals is awesome. But it's, it's just been an interesting learning experience that, um, like, who, who, where, where your festival fits in, and, and, and yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, so yeah, that, that has been unusual. Uh, there was a few festivals I've already said that they were like, oh, surely they would. This is a film that fits their their festival, but um, it hasn't necessarily turned out that way which has been a nice surprise as well i yeah. guess i guess that comes back to the the challenges of the sh- of making a short film or the challenges of making a, a film on a budget as well is that you know yeah you've got to adapt as as things come along and you end up in different festivals that you probably didn't expect to which is great to see um which yeah. leads me to the the next thing which is the the actor awards and all the, uh, the the work that's going with that, the accolade and stuff like that. That's it's great to see that you got the nomination there and, and all that. And you know, I, I think that um, look, I I don't know if what the the rules are in, in saying what you vote for, but I voted for you guys at least. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you. I, I don't know if that's breaking a rule or not, but anyway, <laughs> I, I really liked it. So I'm I'm hoping that you guys win. But I'm I'm curious what the experience was like, uh, you know, receiving a nomination and all that kind of stuff for the actor awards. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been really cool. Um, for all of us, I don't think that we even knew they were announcing the nominees. Um, I think we just, I just woke up one morning and Brad, you sent Goldie and I a text, maybe, and it was like, hey, you yeah, got nominated, perfect. you'd seen a link somewhere, or you saw a press release in filming, maybe? No, I said, I think one of the other incredible things is live action um, posted on their Facebook, and so I kind of figured that the animation shorts would be nominated there, so I was just kind of clicking the link with trembling fingers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the only reason. No one, yeah, we had, we found out, I think that did link us to filming something. Um, but yeah, that's how we found out. And that, it was like in the morning, I just texted Goldie and Lucy and it was a pretty good day. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely exciting to like get, I don't know, just be, just have this thing that says, hey, you, we, we like your film and it's, and it's special or it's worthy of some sort of note. Because even when you do travel, or attend festivals where you're screening and stuff. It's like amazing to be in the room typically with people, but you don't, you don't, you don't hear afterwards from everyone in the theatre whether they liked it. You don't hear, you don't, you don't know how, 
you know, how it's been received or spread to other people. So it's kind of cool to totally. hear someone's like, hey, this film's, this film's great or worthy of recognition or, or whatever. And the opportunity for that to mean that people, that more people will see it and enjoy it and like take notice because there's a lot of noise in the, in, in the, even in the mm. short film world. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, it's really awesome to like, to just have that little thing of standing out on the set. Yeah. So I guess as we wrap up, because I've taken a heap of your time and I really appreciate it, um, uh, are you guys going to stick in animation or are you going to branch out into other things as well? Oh, oh who wants to go um, <laughs> uh, I've been taking some meetings uh, in America and they've been asking me the same question. I think my kind of slate of materials now quite lend themselves they lend themselves to animation so I'm kind of stuck in the field for a bit um, but I'm, def- I'm trying to develop projects that are live action as well uh, it totally depends on what the story is and what the best way to treat it is um, but yeah if it's the most a lot of my stories I try and uh, I enjoy uh, making stories that are high concept and more often than not it's it's more beautiful to look at as animation mm. yeah I'm not not too dissimilar like my uh, my career in film has always been like focused around like multi-technique stuff so uh, trying to mix things together all the time over a visual effects background and a animation and film and live action background so I'm always kind of trying to adapt to whatever technique fits a job or try something I am really interested in trying. Stop motion has been like a constant thread for me, more so than any other animation technique or even necessarily live action. So I think I'll, you know, continue to want to do um, a bit of everything in cross-pollinating techniques, but I think stop motion is still like uh, something that I I know, regardless of what else I do, I want to explore it more. I want to do more different types of it and... and and bigger and more interesting things with it all the time. Yeah, and Australia's got a good history with stop motion animation as well, haven't we? We've, you know, there's been some really interesting things that have been produced in the country. So, uh, fingers yeah. crossed, you know, that continues as well. Yeah, certainly with your Absolutely, efforts as well. Yeah. yeah. And what about you? Yeah. Lucy? You you're happy to just produce anything, or you you found a, a t- yeah. you know. Um, well, I, yeah, I'll do anything. <laughs> <laughs> nah, um, you know, story is a really big thing for me. Um, but I did start as a live action producer, um, and I still produce live action that's uh, you know, similar to Goldie and Brad. I have both on my slate, but um, I do have to say, animation is—it's a real treat when I get to produce it. I feel like I'm a five-year-old child again watching a Disney film. Um, so I really do love producing animation and, um, yeah, I hope to do more of it. I think it's wonderful. It's so collaborative um, when you're a producer and uh, there's just so many great people that you bring on. You know, you work with so many wonderful artists and it's just a wonderful experience. I love it. Well, that's fantastic. Look, I, I could talk to you guys about your film all day long because it's, it's really really beautiful uh, work and, and fantastic work and you know, I was really, really happy to watch it as well. Like, I think that, you know, it's 
it's a heartbreaking little story, but it's very, very beautifully done. So, you know, thank you all very much for, for this short film. It's really fantastic. Um, oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having us and yeah. speaking mm. to us. We no really worries. appreciate it. So thank you very much. <laughs> Not a problem at all. I, I do have one last question, which I, because I, I interview a lot of Australian filmmakers and things like that. So I'm, I'm always curious about, um, what Australian films have inspired you guys as filmmakers? Oh, I, so, uh, I have one on top of mine, but that's only because of um, um, the Sydney Film Festival Award. When we won the Yoram Gross Award, I, 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 mean, I went home, or the next day or something, I went and rewatched um, the Blinky Bill film. Um, yeah. And oh, right, yeah. how much of an impact that had made on me as a kid. Like, it was one of those films where it's, like, exactly what I'm about. It's, like, multiple techniques, live action and animation together. Um, it was, like, pretty pioneering and, like, bold. Like, if there's only ever been, like, maybe two other films, like Two Frame Roger Rabbit and... Um, I can't remember the other one with Brad Pitt. There's, um, you know, that have ever, like... Oh. Yeah, that have ever so boldly done that. Like, like Mary Poppins touches on it. Like Cool World. Yeah, was yeah, it? that's was the it? one I'm thinking of. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, those films, yeah. all those films, and like Mary Poppins, and all all the films and multiple techniques like that have had a huge impact on me. So to remember that that was a you know an Australian film that had that that had so much of an influence on me, and and then you know connecting out with the award we won was like was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So that that. Had not consciously um, would I remember that before um, we won the award, but but revisiting it, I realised how big a influence because you know you, you watch one of those old films from childhood and it all rushes back to you immediately. Um, yeah, yeah, that wave of yeah, nostalgia. Yeah, <laughs> and everybody um, else pretty, as well. I'm pretty yeah. similar to Goldie, like the Yoram Gross um, Award when we won that, and uh, his son presented it to us. That was a really cool moment because yeah like I grew up on Blinky Bill and I just adored it and so that was really cool and he was such a pioneer um, of animation and so that was really cool um, I mean the last few years like I love Lion I think Lion is a great Australian film um, I thought that movie was mm. beautiful and I just recently reread the script and that was just written beautifully and um, I hope that we can make more films like that in Australia yeah, I love Lion. Yeah, it's so brilliant beautiful. film. Yeah, yeah, beautiful film. Yeah, yeah. Brad uh, and Bradley uh, as well. What What about I, you? I kind of feel robbed of a childhood now. I grew up in South Africa, so I <laughs> really kind of get to watch Blinkadoo as a kid. Although I worked for um, uh, Flying Bark Animation, which was uh, what Jorn Gross changed his name to um, as, as a production company of the guy. Um, but I. That's when I started to get introduced to Blinky Bill because I was working on the feature. Um, um, but yeah, the really, to be honest, I didn't know too much about it. Um, I just knew I was very honest to kind of receive that award because I knew how much of he was in an icon for the animation and film industry in Australia. Um, so I suppose uh, Australian icons, I know I was a, a big fan of what Adam Elliott was doing. Um, and uh, Peter Beer was obviously uh, was a kind of big one in terms of 
why I like telling stories. I like that high concept. Uh, why? Yeah. So what? I've just realised that he didn't uh, write yeah. the show, but um, I saw still places where I've not Still great. No, he's yeah, he's a great filmmaker as well. Yeah, still great. Yeah, yeah. There's no denying that. I just realised that. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very right much, guys. Uh, no, thank you. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Andrew Nichols, great. Uh, Gattaca is a really brilliant mm. film as well. I'm not Australian, but, uh, you That's know, fantastic really movie. fantastic yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah, we can all yeah, agree on yeah, that. Great writer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate your time, and, and this uh, worldwide uh, phone call has been fantastic and, and gone pretty well compared yeah. to some of the ones I've done. So, yeah, thank you so much for all... Uh, you know, sharing your time for this and, and talking about your film. I really appreciate it. And I'm very, very much excited to see where all of your careers go from here because I think there's a lot of promise here. And, uh, I, I, yeah, I look forward to seeing what happens. And fingers crossed not only for the Actor Awards but for the Oscars next year as well. I'll be uh, championing you guys too. Uh, I don't have any sway there, so I'm sorry about that. I can, I can vote in Australia. I can't vote for the Oscars. <laughs> Thank you so much, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. Thanks Thank for great you. Question. Thank yeah. You. Awesome. No worries. Thanks, guys. All right. Love. that was the team behind the short film lost and found and if you're interested in finding out more about lost and found then you can head over to the website which is lostandfound.film uh yeah fantastic stuff really really great short film and hopefully again i really hope that it wins at the actor awards that are coming up soon this year that music that you hear in the background there, that is the music from the film Ladies in Black. And Ladies in Black is the film that has the most nominations this year. I believe it's got 11 nominations, one more than Sweet Country. Uh, I still haven't seen Ladies in Black. I'm not sure whether I'm going to be watching it before the year is out. I really should do because I am wrapping up my best Australian films of the year list. And, uh, you know, really, I can't say that I've watched everything unless I actually watch everything. Isn't that right? Well, nonetheless, anyway, the nominations this year are pretty entertaining and pretty exciting, uh, mostly because, you know, Sweet Country, again, as I said, it's got 10 nominations. That's fantastic. It's my favorite film of the year. I think it's a stunning, stunning film. And it's just brilliant to see that it's been nominated for a whole bunch of different awards, such as Best Direction, um, Best Acting as well, uh, with Hamilton Morris from the uh, who takes a lead role there as uh, receiving a Best Lead Actor nomination, which is really great to see. But then also Natasha Gori Ferber as well, getting a Best Supporting Actress nomination too, which is really fantastic. So look, I'll just run through what the nominations are. Starting off with Best Film. Best Film, we've got Boy Erased, Breath, Cargo, Ladies in Black and Sweet Country. Now again, Sweet Country is my pick here. I think it's a fantastic film. In fact, the uh, the other three films that I have seen in this list are really, really solid films. Cargo is a really impressive uh, little horror film. Uh, 
you know, I thought that the zombie genre had dried up, but certainly this is a nice spin on the genre, the genre and, and add something new, new perspective to what is going on in the zombie apocalypse. I really liked it. I thought it was good. I, I thought it was a little bit disappointing that Martin Freeman actually didn't get a Best Actor nomination. I thought he was very deserving. Boy Erased is a film which many may be surprised as an Australian film. I'm still questionable about whether we should be classifying these films as Australian films, just like we did with Hacksaw Ridge and The Great Gatsby. But nonetheless... I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was very, very solid. Lucas Hedges is really fantastic in it. Really, really great performance. Breath is also brilliant as well. I really like that film. I'm a bit disappointed that two kids in the film weren't weren't nominated. I think they deliver some really fantastic performances. Uh, I, I really like those kids. And especially because odds are it's looking like they probably won't do a career of acting. They, they you know, did their one and done and they're very happy with what they've presented. And that's about it. Ladies in Black is proving to be one of the most successful Australian films of the year. It's raging up the block, the uh, box office. It's doing great numbers. Uh, it won't catch Peter Rabbit, which is an Australian film, would you believe? Um, but nonetheless, doesn't matter. It's still making a lot of money, and that's good. That's a positive thing. So, you know, I guess that's why it's there. It's also a Bruce Beresford film. You know, and he got nominated for Best Director alongside Simon Baker, who directed Breath, Joel Edgerton, who directed Boy Erased, and Warwick Thornton, who did Sweet Country. To me, I think that Warwick Thornton deserves the award here easily. It's a stunning direction in this film. Really, really powerful stuff. Now, the Actor Awards this year have opted to go for a Best Indie Film Award as well, which I guess is a bit like... Uh, Ozflix. If you if you pay attention to Ozflix, Ozflix.tv, which is the Australian uh, on-demand Australian film streaming service, they did their first award ceremony last year, and they awarded different categories of how much money a film cost. So they did a sub, you know. $500,000 film, an over million dollar film, that kind of thing, and awarded out uh, awards on the best film category that way. So it looks like the Actor Awards have taken a leaf out of their book and done a best indie film, which I'm not sure how I feel about that, but here we are, nonetheless. At least it's a way of rewarding films that may not have gotten seen. Uh, certainly one of my favourite films is nominated in this group. And the nominees are Brothers Nest, Jerga, The Second, Strange Colours and West of Sunshine. I really like all of those films. Maybe not the second. I, I wasn't so keen on the second. I thought it was fine, just fine. But Brothers Nest is a really, really superb little dark comedy. Jerga is a fantastic film about uh, Australia's involvement with the the war in Afghanistan. Strange Colours is one of my favourite films of the year, and I'm glad that it got nominated somewhere. Unfortunately, this is the only nomination that it got. I, I wish that Kate Shield was nominated uh, for Best Actress, but she's not. What can you do? Uh, you can just keep on pushing these films like I do. And West of Sunshine, great that it got nominated as well. I think that it's really fantastic that it got a nomination here. Uh, it's a beautiful film. Jason Rastopoulos did a, a great job directing that, and Damien Hill uh, really did a fantastic re- performance in this film here. Now, the best lead actor 
Damien Hill got a nomination for West of Sunshine, which is great to see. Lucas Hedges got nominated for Boy Erased, and as I mentioned, Hamilton Morris got nominated for Sweet Country, and Ryan Core got nominated for 1%. Uh, 1% actually got a quite a fair few nominations. It didn't crack into the best film category, but nonetheless, it got a lot of the below-the-line categories, which is really nice to see, and Ryan Core gives a great performance here. The performance I'm really glad that got nominated, though, is Daniel Monks for Pulse. Now, Pulse didn't get a wide release in Australia, unfortunately, um, but if you do get a chance to see it, I highly recommend it. I really like this film, and it's written by Daniel Monks, and he delivers a fantastic performance. I highly recommend seeking it out if you get the chance. If it pops up in your list, do watch it. Best Actress, you've got Abby Lee for 1%, Rooney Mara for Mary Magdalene, Kate Mulvaney for The Merger, Julia Armand for Ladies in Black, and Angari Rice for Ladies in Black as well. So a bit of a mishmash of uh, who's who of Australian films in a way. Uh, Rooney Mara certainly... um, you know, surprising a little bit with Mary Magdalene. I I think many people would have forgotten that it's an Australian film, but it is regardless, a bit like a Boy Erased. Um, I'm not sure who will win here, uh, possibly Angari Rice or Julia Ormond, or maybe Abby Lee. I think she was quite good in 1%. Um, best Supporting Actress, we have Elizabeth Debicki for Breath, Natasha Gori Ferber for Sweet Country, Noni Hazelhurst from Ladies in Black, Simone Kessel for 1%, and Nicole Kidman for Boy Erased. Again, good performances across the board from what I've seen. Although I was a bit surprised about the Elizabeth Debicki nomination, to be honest. I, I thought that she was just fine in Breath, um, given that it's a film that's mostly focused about men. Um, you know, it's it's kind of understandable that she's underwritten, especially given that Tim Winton's not exactly the best uh, writer for for male stories, but nonetheless, you know, she got nominated, so that's good. It's great. Um, and best supporting actor, we have Simon Baker for Breath, who is alongside Joel Edgerton for Boy Erased, um, the first time in a long time that an actor is getting nominated for a performance that they gave as well as having directed themselves in. So that's unique. doesn't happen very often. Rounding out the list of Best Supporting Actor nominations, you've got Josh McConaughey for 1%, as well as Russell Crowe for Boy Erased, and Faisal Bazi for The Merger. Again, you know, good performances all across the board there. You know, to me, I'd probably give it to Faisal Bazi. I thought that he was really good in The Merger. Um, and it's kind of the, the one character out of the bunch that is really memorable. But I have a feeling they might give it to Simon Baker. I was a little bit disappointed that... Um, Samson Coulter and Ben Spence for Breath, as I mentioned before, weren't nominated here. I think they really, really give superb performances, and maybe they're both supporting, maybe not. I'm not too sure, but I really would have liked to have seen them nominated here. Also, I would have liked to have seen uh, either Shane or Clayton Jacobson nominated for Brothers Nest in the acting performances. I think they're really great there. Um, on the other side, I would also have liked to have seen more of the actors from uh, Sweet Country nominated. I would have loved to have seen Sam Neill, Ewan Leslie, Trevin Doolan, and Brian Brown all nominated. I think they give career best performances there, especially Ewan Leslie. I think he, he's fantastic. Um, but, you know, beggars can't be choosers. At least they, uh, the nominations were there for, you know, Hamilton Morris is a great nomination nonetheless.
Okay, moving on. Got Best Feature Documentary, Ghost Hunter, Gurumul, Jill Bilcock, Dancing the Invisible, Mountain, and Working Class Boy. I'm surprised about this. There were 10, uh, 10 films up for consideration, and really I would have much preferred to have seen Island of the Hungry Ghosts and Backtrack Boys here. I can't help but be a little bit cynical and think that, you know, maybe that the people who are voting only went for Working Class Boy just because it was about Jimmy Barnes. Um... <laughs> It's, it's fine. It's serviceable. It is. It just doesn't hit me the same way the Backtrack Boys or Island of the Hungry Ghosts hit me. Jill Bilcock getting nominated is great. It's a really beautiful documentary. Gurumul is also a wonderful documentary as well. That's probably my pick for winning. I, I think that it's a really wonderful film. Uh, Ghost Hunter is also very impressive. And Mountain is good. Uh, if you like Jennifer Petem's previous film, Sherpa, then you would like Mountain. It's... Um, basically Sherpa by way of Willem Dafoe. It's visually stunning as well. Really, really beautiful to watch. Uh, Flicking past a few other things, you know, there are a few other areas that I think that did pretty well. Upgrade got a lot of nominations in the technical categories, which is great to see. I would have really liked to have seen Logan Marshall Green get nominated for Best Actor because I think that, you know, he does a really fantastic job there. Um, But regardless, it got a a Best Original Screenplay nomination. It got a um, Best Score nomination as well as Best Visual Effects as well as Best Production Design and Best Hair and Makeup. So lots of really good technical nominations there, and it's well-deserving. But again, Logan Marshall Green gives a really great performance, and Lee Winnell actually does a fantastic job of, of directing this film. I, I really like it. It's one of my favorite Australian films of the year, and it surprised the heck out of me. So that's really good to see it get a lot of nominations there. And you know, that's about it. I think... I think if the only other thing that I really wish would have gotten nominated in the below the line categories would have been Damien Lip cinematography watch for Watch the Sunset. Watch the Sunset, if I can speak English. Watch the Sunset was a film which came out on festival circuits in 2017. It's Australia's first one-shot film, and it's a really, really impressive technical achievement. And Damien Lip does a really fantastic job, especially with the final shot there in the film as well. It's it's beautiful it really is a very beautiful film um and you know the performances are great as well tristan barr is great and it would have been nice to have seen him get nominated too but unfortunately again you know i i think that look i keep on saying i've got to put my cynical side away because i do wonder if sometimes the actor awards this new iteration after they change from afi to actor has been kind of seeking out the films that will get more of an international attention or make the 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 ceremony a little bit more oscar baity in some regards and certainly in some ways you know with hacksaw ridge and lion there is this feeling that the nominations had come out before the oscar nominations in the hope that maybe the actor awards might sway the oscars in some regards they won't they never do but i get that that permeating feeling that that's the case it's most likely not the case and it's just again me being very cynical um because how else can you explain you know films like hacksaw ridge getting so many nominations or boy erase getting so many nominations now boy erase is a very good film is it one of the best australian films this year <laughs> arguably no 
I would have pushed, you know, West of Sunshine into the the best film category and and given that film a few more nominations or again Strange Colors or you know Watch the Sunset. All these kinds of films are really good that I think could have benefited a little bit more than Boy Erased. It's very good. It is. I just can't help that wonder. I mean, Russell Crowe is fine in it. I don't think he's nomination worthy. Certainly, I wouldn't have nominated him at all. But anyway, that's 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 my opinion. That's my two cents. Um, I'll have a lot more to say about the actor awards when the actual awards get handed out. And there'll be a lot of swearing if Sweet Country doesn't win more than one thing. Because it is my pick for Best Picture. It's my pick for the film that I think should walk away with all the prizes. Unfortunately, given the fact that you know Ladies in Black has certainly... Uh, done a bit of a number on the box office and there's an audience for that particular film maybe they'll want to reward that i'm not sure maybe they'll go with boy erased who knows it's a hard it's a hard category to pick i just don't think they're going to go with breath and i don't think they're going to go with cargo so i think it's between boy erased ladies in black and sweet country but we'll have to wait and see the awards are handed out in december and i'm very excited to see what happens i really am I love the actor awards, I do. Uh, they get screened on Foxtel, and uh, it's a little bit strange. You know, I kind of want them to be screened uh, on, you know, on public TV and all this kind of stuff and making an event like the Oscars are, but mm, doesn't always happen, unfortunately. Uh, it's very frustrating that way. Nonetheless, I, I, look, I think that's enough from me. Um, hopefully you enjoyed the interview with the guys from Lost and Found. And certainly, again, head over to their website, lostandfound.film, and you'll be able to find out more about that particular short film. It's only seven minutes long, and hopefully once it's done a festival circuit, you'll be able to see it online. Um, but at least you can watch the trailer and have a look at the photos and see the set design of that particular film on that website and get an understanding of why I wanted to chat with these people. I think it's a beautiful film. I really do. I know I said that a bunch of times in the interview, but I really do. I think it's a lovely film. So, yeah, that's enough from me. Uh, head over to the Patreon website, patreon.com forward slash the curb AU to support the show would be fantastic. And for the month of November, I'm also doing Movember. So you can head over to mobro.co forward slash the curb AU to support that and help me reach my goal of $500. And you can also hit me up on the social medias, facebook.com forward slash the curb au and twitter.com forward slash the curb au. If you've got any questions or anything like that, hit me up at the curb au at gmail.com and make sure to listen to other episodes and uh, read reviews and all that kind of stuff over on the curb.com.au. Look, thank you very much for listening to this show and hopefully you enjoy watching Australian cinema as much as I do. I'll see you on the next episode of The Last New Wave. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. Let Safeway help you unleash your glow with your favorite personal care products. Right now with Safeway, get great deals on all your favorite personal care products. Like Head & Shoulders Base Shampoo, Crest 3D Whitening Toothpaste, Listerine Antiseptic Mouthwash, Sensodyne Sensitivity Fresh Toothpaste, Degree Women Antiperspirant Deodorant, or Soft Soap Liquid Hand Soap. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local Safeway store for more deals and specific details.